Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. Would you give the Lord one more praise offering of, of thanks? Being able to see those people, your friends, your family, your, your acquaintances. I love seeing mothers baptizing their children. I love seeing friends bringing friends to Jesus. I love, I love it when an entire family uh, declares their faith in Christ. There's so much in each of those stories that cannot be told in a matter of a few seconds. And every single one of them, I'm convinced, every single one of them came because somebody else cared about them. Cared enough about their soul, cared enough about their spirit, that they're going to invest and say, hey, this is something that's so important to me. It changed my life. Would you just journey with me in this? And so beautiful starting point, not ending point, starting point for every one of them uh, to, today. And I want to invite you to an event tonight. If you're interested in what it looks like to invest and invite in community, that 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 you may even have the opportunity to have beautiful spiritual conversations with people, or you might just be able to welcome into your home, welcome in, in uh, to, to, uh, to, to the Northwest Arkansas. We have an organization that we partner with out of Fayetteville called Canopy, and maybe you've heard of them, and they welcome refugees that come into the area. And it's an opportunity this afternoon for just a few hours, time together, spend some time learning, growing, and what it means to be a part of, and it's actually uh, this evening. So plan to be a part of that. You need to sign up because we need to make sure there's enough space for everyone. So signing up for that is very important. Sign up by, by one o'clock today. This after, yesterday, uh, we actually, because we've had relationships with, uh, with people who have moved here from Afghanistan and it was fun to have, uh, I don't know, about uh, 12 different Afghanistan women sitting in our, in our house with, again, another handful of eight or nine ladies from Grace Point and just being there and being present and celebrating celebrating life and blessing and exchanging cultures. It's an opportunity to, again, to love on people who might even have gospel conversations with someday, but you can welcome them into the Northwest Arkansas area in an incredible way. Listen, what we're talking about is a life that changes life, changes your life, changes your direction, where you're going and, and, and about. And it's this following Jesus concept. This following Jesus concept. It sounds like a, it's just one Greek word. It's just one simple word, akolutheo. And it's one word, short and sweet, right? But it has such depth. It has such length. It has such width. You cannot escape it. The depth of it. Now, when I think about the depth of that calling to follow Jesus, I want to contrast it with the shallowness of following Jesus. It's not a show up for Jesus on Sunday and live your life on Monday. 
It's not like, hey, I'm, I'm just going to walk with Jesus a little bit. No, no, no. It is an all-in where I learn of Jesus' ways and I follow Jesus' ways and I live that out in my life. That's what it means to follow Jesus in a very depth of your being. This phrase, follow me, is in the scriptures uh, so many times. But the word follow, the idea is over 200 times in the New Testament. And God is calling us to follow him. A long, it's also long. It's not a short, it's a long game call, okay? It's, it's all of our life. It goes deep into our soul of who we are, but it also leads us out into, uh, throughout the rest of our life. Even what, sometimes this word follow me is used, the concept of traveling with somebody. All right, going long distances with somebody. And that's exactly what we're called, to go the long distance with Jesus. But it's not only, it's not only deep, it's not only long, it's, it's wide. It's not a narrow thing. It reaches out and it touches a lot of different people. Your relationship with Jesus is not a singular your relationship. It actually branches out. And you are connected to other people. This is what Leonard Sweet said about disciples. Disciples are bred and cultivated in an ecosystem in the soil, rooted relationships, rooted in, of rooted relationships. Our autonomous individualism erects one of the core barriers to genuine followership. Effective, healthy discipleship is cultivated not in an isolated units, but in an interrelated ecology of life. A lot of words there. But the whole idea that an autonomous individualism, which is so prevalent in our culture today, I can do it alone, I don't need you, I don't need the church, I don't need, I don't need. You're pretty sufficient in and of yourself. But in reality, God didn't make you that way. He didn't make any of us that way. He made us to be in relationship. When he made Adam, put him in the garden, he says, it's not good for you to be alone. Whenever he goes through life, he's calling his disciples together to be a unit together, growing together, becoming one together. The hot idea of what we're talking about, and again, some of y'all are here just for the first time, welcome to Grace Point. Whether you're here to see somebody baptized or you're just stopping in or you're here for the holidays, welcome. What we're doing right now in our church is a strong and heavy emphasis on what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. To be like Jesus, to think like Jesus, live like Jesus, believe like Jesus, that's a pretty tall order. And what we've been doing for several months now is building this house. What we're doing right now in the month of November is putting the framing up to that house. The house is your life. The house is your body, your mind, your soul, your spirit. We're putting the framing up, if you think about it like that. And the framing is built around a circle that I'm calling the circle of life. Not Lion King circle of life. You're going to be eaten by some animal. But the whole idea of I need to be in a, in a, a complete individual. Inwardly, I need to be complete. Outwardly, I need to be complete. What does that look like? Well, the inward involves a communion with God. A communion with Jesus. To be very specific, I can't retell these messages. You can go online and re-listen to them. But the whole idea of communion is absolutely foundational of everything. 
And we get to know who God is through his word. His word becomes a part of us. It begins to become the, the, the prayer language of us. It begins to become the, the power of our words. So that communion is irreplaceable. It's where it starts. Sequence matters. The second word is serenity. Peace, an inner peace that flows out of communion. In a world of war, homes are at war and businesses are at war and nations are at war. Where do I find serenity? Serenity is, comes out of that communion with Jesus, flows and is built up again. The, 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 the sticks, if you will, the framing of that, how I'm going to maintain that unity. Unity, excuse me, peace comes to me. Serenity comes to me through Jesus, but then I'm going to need to build the framework to keep it in my life. How I'm going to keep that peace in my life and keep it in the right order of my life is through silence and solitude, listening to God, through times of Sabbath, I would say weekly Sabbath, daily silence and solitude, and also fasting, a whole concept. Again, next last week's message, you can go back and, and listen. I can't retell that. But the whole idea of a whole person being wholly complete as God wants us, there's an inward work, inward work of God. Starts with communion, moves to serenity. But from there, we move from me to we. This, again, to, to use it, Leonard Sweet's phrase, the, the whole idea of autonomous individualism is absolutely not a part of God's design for your life or my life. The idea that I can just be me and I'm me and I'm, I'm self-sufficient, my, you can go that way if you want, but you will not be all that you could possibly be without the we. Now, where do you get the we? How do you find the right we, non-toxic we? You're not going to find a perfect we, but you're going to find it in the community. In a community that is built on a unity around a common belief, a common practice, a common way, and that way being the way of Jesus. Literally the subtitle of this series. Practicing the way of Jesus. Not doing it alone, but doing it in community. Hey, and listen, you don't have to look far if you're going to follow Jesus. You don't have to look far into Jesus' life to see that, that was, community was very important for him. Whenever he started his ministry, the very first thing he does is he starts asking people to follow him. Follow me. Follow me. Come and see. Come and follow He's constantly doing that, and he's building this community, this calling out of his disciples. He will call 12 disciples that will end up growing to the 70 disciples. He will send them out. He will train them. They'll be together. They'll share life together. And by the way, there's diversity in this group. There's some people like Simon the Zealot over here, which would lead uprise. The Zealots would rise up against Rome. They would, they were opposed to Rome. And then you got Matthew, the tax collector, who was basically in cahoots with Rome. So you have a, 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 a Roman hater and you have a Roman sympathizer. And guess what Jesus does? He calls them to sit at the same table together. That's like calling a Democrat and a Republican to sit at the same table together. The whole idea of following Jesus is all of my presuppositions, all of my prejudices get pushed aside and I become a part of a community that's united around Jesus. 
Jesus calls all this diversity to himself, but it doesn't end there. He's continuing to build this out. And as he's preparing to die, as he's just six, seven months away from going to the cross, and then another month from going uh, to ascending into heaven, he's building a plan, and that plan is an exit strategy, and that exit strategy is his succession plan. His succession plan is called, he's got one word, church. Not my idea, not my idea. Church is Jesus' idea. Whenever he makes this statement about to Peter, he said this. He says, and I will tell, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Literally, you want to have victory in your life? You want to have victory in your relationship with Jesus? You want to have victory in God's plan for your life? Listen, you don't do it alone. You do it in the community of the church. So Jesus is getting ready to leave. He's not left yet. He's six months away from the cross, another month away from, from ascending into heaven. But he has, he's building this up, this plan up. He's getting ready to launch. And when he launches into heaven, he's going to launch the church onto this earth. He's going to send them out. Again, he's been with, he's been a community, he's built this community, he's given it a name, it's called a church, he's going to take that church and he's going to send it out. It's going to be 120 people in an upper room and they're going to be praying, they don't know what their future beholds. Jesus says, don't worry about it, I got a plan for you. Acts 1-8, go read it for yourself. He's I got a plan for you and, and he's going to launch them out. They're going to go from 120 in a matter of one day, they're going to become 3,000 followers, 3,000 in one day got baptized. Baptism is the first statement of your faith in Jesus. If you have never given your life to Jesus today before you leave, I pray you'll do that. If you've never been baptized as a believer in Jesus, I pray you'll even consider going home wet. And at the end of our service today, you might want to join the next service and just hang around and get baptized in the next service. The way you could do that is come see me out in the gallery after our service and we can talk about what that looks like. But baptism is significant. You're going to see from Andrew in a few moments when he's up here, he's going to talk about new families that are joining and becoming a part of our church. This is significant because the church is God's plan, his community for the nations, for the world. How does that work? How does this community going to help build up the structure in my life to help make me better and make us better and make this world better. And whenever you look through the, the New Testament, you'll find that the book of Acts is just covered. The church grows from Jerusalem and Antioch. It goes to the Galatia and Western Turkey. It just starts covering in a matter of a few decades. That's the churches that were covered throughout the land, always possibly as far as Spain. The church is God's plan for his people. The community of his church has to be not an add-on, not an option, but a must. If I'm going to be the whole person that God wants me to be, what does that look like? It requires radical generosity, collective worship, selfless service. These are not, again, just original with me, Dallas Willard, who I've quoted from a lot in this series. Whenever early Christians uh, looked, they saw examples of practice of solitude, fasting, and prayer, and private study. Those are things we've already talked about. And communal study 
and worship and sacrificial service and, and giving to mention only some of the more obvious disciplines in the spiritual life. From me to we. From, from me, individual, autonomous, to us. What does us look like as God's people? Take your Bibles and look at the book of Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 10. So as the church has continued to progress through the New Testament, we have all these letters that are written to the New Testament church. And as it's being lived out, we have this passage. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places. Translation. Interpretation. Holy places of worship. We have confidence that we can come together in holy places of worship by the blood of Jesus. That singular statement is the most important statement in this passage. By the new and living way which he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through the flesh, since we have a great priest, Jesus is our priest, over the house of God. Let us, because of that, here's what we do. Here's how we respond. Here's the benefit of that. Let us draw near with a heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed from a pure water. Let us, a second let us, hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Of he, for he promised is, is faithful. And let us, a third let us, consider how to stir one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. When we talk about biblical community, when we talk about how God designed the church. Listen, there's a lot of church hurt. There's a lot of disappointment in the church. And I've got a list as long as my arm of all my disappointments. And I got a list on this arm, all the ways I've disappointed people in the church. So I get the church is imperfect, of imperfect people. But God, in all of the imperfections, brings us together to make us whole, to make us more complete. What will that look like? What will that kind of family, beautifully imperfect church, what will that look like? What will that require? Rhythms that it's going to require of us is one is radical generosity. Radical generosity. Therefore, brothers, since we, since we, the collective community have confidence to enter the holy places being within the presence of God. How do we get there? By the blood of Jesus. Listen, when you come to the story of, of, uh, of generosity, you, don't, you look for example of generosity. You go no further than our Heavenly Father who gave us His Son. You go no further than the Son who gave us His last drop of blood. You can look at Jesus and you just realize that Jesus and the Father, they're one and they're, they're giving and they're generously giving, they're radically giving to give your one and only son. Just imagine that. 
But it's not just so that my life might be, be able to be saved here on earth, but it's like I can walk in that same grace that saved me here. It will save me throughout my days. Even, even Paul was, was reminded that my grace, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. The very next verse, Paul says, I've learned to be content in weakness. I've learned to be content in hardship, in persecutions, in calamities, in insults. I've learned to be content because when I'm weak, I'm strong. See, even Paul is realizing the power of Jesus' generosity is actually helping me be saved in past, be saved in the present, and will be saved in the future. The grace of God goes with us because of the generosity of Jesus. Now from that, from that, how does that impact us? How does the generosity of Jesus impact your generosity in your own life? When I said last week that we give a dime out, Lori and I have committed as a discipline of our life, the first dime out of every dollar that we make, we give it to Grace Point. And again, if you're first time with us today, listen, this is just listen in. This is not expectations upon you. Our members are faithful to give. You give to your church wherever that is. But I want you to hear the heart of where, why we do this. We do it as an example, as following the example of Jesus. Generosity flows out of that and it impacts people's lives. So let me just tell you as a report, because we're going to uh, be giving a lot more information next week about next this coming year's Christmas offering, but last year's Christmas offering, the Christmas offering before that, we've been helping out with a ministry in Athens, Greece called Domris. It's a safe house for women who are caught or caught up in or are trafficked in the brothel business. And I know there's young ears in the house, so I will try to code this as much as possible. Now, let me just give you the perspective on this. One is that business, that work is legal in Athens, Greece. There are 300 brothels in Athens. If you take the number of brothels and divide it amongst the number of people, there's a brothel for every 2,000 people in Athens. Now, how does that doesn't even compute for me. Do you notice we have a lot of come and goes around here? We have one come and go in Northwest Arkansas for every 25,000 people in Northwest Arkansas. There's one brothel for every 2,000 in Athens. It's legal. Many of the people in those brothels are forced to be there, are forced to sell their bodies. And what we have done is partner with Dom Reese to say those who want to get out, those who are looking for a better way, those here, let's get you into a safe house. And last year's Christmas offering, let me tell you, last year at this time, it was a, it was a plain piece of dirt where Dom Reese was going to build this house because they've been using rented facilities, rented facilities for years. And we committed to help them build their very first building. We broke ground on it with a team that was on the ground in July. And I want to show you the progress that is coming. It's coming up out of the ground. It's coming up out of the ground. Guys, I want to say that whenever you become generous, 
When we become generous like God gave his son, son gave his blood, so we become generous and we get in this this conduit of blessing to where I become generous to Grace Point. Grace Point becomes generous to people in Athens, Greece, caught up in brothel business? Yeah. And there's so many other ways. Radical generosity. If you're going to follow Jesus, it's a part of it. It's the way he lived. How are you going to give? How are you going to be a part? And again, I don't talk about this. That slide shows up about once a month at Grace Point. We don't talk much about it, but we can't talk about the disciplines and the rhythms of the Christian life and not talk about radical generosity. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm not sorry. It's just a part of it. Number two, collective worship. Collective worship. What we're doing in this room, hopefully, is collective worship. We are all coming together where God brings us together, and what brings us together is, is, is the common ground that moves us from me to we is Jesus and the worship of him. Now, I can worship him in a deer stand. I can worship him by the water. I can, I, I'm a naturist, so I can worship him anywhere in nature, but that's one place of worship. I worship him in my living room, in my Bible, in my lap, in the mornings, my silence and solitude, but really, I worship him collectively in community. David said it like this when he's marching up to Jerusalem to worship in his psalm of ascent. He said, I was glad when they, plural, said to me, let us collectively go to the house of the Lord. You see, it goes from me to we in a matter of a verse. Going from me to we in our worship is whenever I remember what Willard said earlier about communal study and communal worship, that we collectively are coming together. And when you look at that passage, he says, because of the blood of Jesus, let us. And he gave us three let us statements. Because of the blood of Jesus, because of the radical generosity of Jesus, let us what? Let us draw near with a true heart, full of assurance of the faith. Let us draw near with a true heart, sprinkled, clean, of an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us Hold fast to the confession of the hope without wavering, for he promised is faithful. Let us approach God with a true heart. Let us approach God with a hold, held fast confidence, confession in, 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 in our beliefs. Jesus, whenever he's talking to the woman at the well, she was wondering, she had questions about worship. Where do I worship? How do I worship? All that kind of stuff. Jesus said this, God is spirit. If you're going to worship God, you got to worship him in spirit and in truth. Spirit, if, if we are going to biblically worship, collectively worship, we got to think of worship as a two-pronged part. There is a spirit element, there is a truth element. And when you look at that passage of scripture, you see that there is a heart element and there is a confession element. We're called to let us draw near with a true heart. That's the emotions, that's the, the subjective part of who we are. That's the part that stirs within us. But then there's also the confessional part. That's the 
objective part. That's the locked in part as, as Hebrews was talking about. The confession, the belief, the something that doesn't waver. A true heart worships in spirit. A confession is worship of the truth. Listen, I've got to worship with my heart. I've got to worship with my mind. I've got to worship with subjectivity. This is what I'm experiencing, but I can't leave out confession. It's a part of it. A part of worship is heart, soul, and mind. Worship should be a spiritual yet tangible. Emotional yet instructional. Inspiring yet practical. Personal but communal at the same time. I went to um, undergraduate and graduate studies with two degrees in biblical studies. I thought I had it all figured out. I have all my theology packaged up in a nice little box. I've been trained. I've been educated. And I can answer and debate with a lot of people. And I, with my bride, two kids at that time, loaded up everything we had, and we moved to Africa because we were going to bring the Zambian people to faith in Jesus Christ. And so we took all of our biblical knowledge, whether it's growing up in Sunday school or, or seminary classroom, we took all of our biblical knowledge to Zambia and we started teaching Zambians the biblical confessions of the faith. What does it mean to follow Jesus? But you know what? The Zambians taught the McDaniels is how to worship. I didn't know how to worship with my spirit, with my emotions. I didn't know how to clap and dance. I didn't know how to raise my hand. I didn't know how to put my whole soul into worship. I knew how to put my head into worship, but I didn't know how to put my soul into worship. Let's, let's go back to that Hebrews passage again. I want, I want you to see uh, verse 23. Let us draw near with a true heart. That's the, the emotional side of who you are. Let us hold fast to the confession of what you believe. It is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the mind. We come together the discipline of radical generosity should lead to a, a, a discipline of, of collective worship that leads to selfless service. I literally say, God, here's my life. Brennan Manning in his book, Abba Father, Abba Child, excuse me, talks about imposter syndrome and the beloved. You're either, he said, an imposter or you're living the, the life of the beloved, a child of God. The imposter is the person who walks into the room with the posture that I'm here. You see me? I'm seen. You know me? I'm here. They've, it's almost like a subconscious part of who we are, but I'm here. That is the imposter. The person who is the beloved walks into a room and says, you are here. I value you. What, what's going on in your life? How can I be a part of your story? Where it's no longer about me, but it's about you. Selfless living is when we get ourselves off our agenda's off, our time's off, our thing's off. And we say, you know what? I'm here for you. 
That's the, that, that's when Jesus is walking down the busy street and Zacchaeus is hanging out in a tree and he sees Zacchaeus and calls him down. We talked about that a few weeks ago. It's Jesus walking up and sitting down by a well and the woman doing her thing by the water and him talking to the woman. The woman didn't talk to him. It's Jesus seeing the children when the, when the disciples are pushing them away and he's saying, no, 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 bring the children to me. Are, am, am, I, am I here or are you here? Because if you're here, I'm seeing you. I'm valuing you. Jesus saw the woman caught in adultery. Jesus saw the Syphonician woman. Augustine said it like this. He said, there can only be two basic loves. The love of God under the forgetfulness of self or the love of self under the forgetfulness and the denial of God. Who do we love? Let us, it says in verse 24, let us consider how to stir one another. To stir one another. See, if we're talking about biblical community, it's no longer just about me. I like that church. I got something out of that message. That church is good for me. It's about me. No, no, no. I now start seeing others. Selfless. I start giving radically because that's what Jesus would do. I start collectively valuing this worship because Truth matters because heart matters. Let us, how we can stir one another onto love and to good works and not neglecting the meeting together and the habit of some of doing, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day drawing near. Let me, let me put my McDaniel paraphrase on that last phrase. Let us figure out how we can encourage one another as this world goes to hell in a handbasket. As this world gets harder more difficult. How are we going to encourage one another? This, this whole concept of one another's 59 times in the New Testament. And there's a whole list. If you need a Bible study for this coming week, I want you to look up the one another's. They're all up in the New Testament. We're told to love one another 16 different times. To be devoted to one another honor one another. I can't be devoted to you unless I make it about you. If I want to make it about me, then I need you to be devoted to me. But I need to live honoring you, loving you, in harmony with you. That whole one another thing is life changing, game changer. About a decade ago, I went through a very dark moment. And in that dark moment, I was seeing a counselor. And that counselor asked me one simple question. And that one question has, to this day, changed my life. The question is this. Mike, you're a pastor of a church. Mike, you know a lot of people. Mike, who do you do one another's with? Who, who, who do you honor? Who are you living and building up? And they're building you up. Who are you confessing your sins to? And they're confessing their sins to you. See, if, if, if I'm going to tell you my junk, I'm going to have to trust you. 
And literally, I told this counselor, I have no one. No. Maybe that's on me. A lot of it's on me. Maybe it's on the environment that I'm living in, the glass house that I live in as a pastor. But having one another's is absolutely core to building a whole life. Flows out of communion into serenity, but it's going to be built up when I move from me to we and I start saying, I need biblical community where I will give radically, I will worship collectively, but I will live selflessly as well. Where are you at right now? Who do you do one another's with? Would you bow your heads with me? Before, first and foremost, before you even think about we, go to me and ask yourself the question, do I have a relationship with Jesus? It's where it starts. Communing with Jesus. Being with Jesus. Friends, right here. Would you just, if you've never given your life to Jesus, would you just right now in your seat, head bowed, eye closed, people around the room doing the same thing you're doing. Right now, would you just say, Jesus, I give myself to you. I trust you, Jesus, that you came to this earth. You died on a cross for my sins and you rose from the dead and I give myself to you. Because any God who can do that, I give myself willingly, freely, fully to you. Maybe you're here and you've done that. I've done that, Mike. What does biblical community look like for you? Is it a drop in, drop out? Hang out for a few moments, go about business? Listen, find yourself a small group. Become a part of a church. If it's not here, find that church. Find that small group. Do not do life alone. Father, in this space, as we've seen beautiful people give incredible stories of your deliverance from drug addiction all the way down to children coming to a church camp, being introduced to Jesus, and two years later saying yes to you, Jesus. And we all are on some journey. Well, thank you. Thank you that Mark invited his niece. And she gave testimony to you. But this is just the beginning. Father, would you help us all to be a part of you first and your church second? Would it not just be about me, but would we learn how to live with the weak? 
and do it in a way that honors you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live sent.